2: All righty already good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Race Day Las Vegas radio program for this Wednesday. It is almost the end of April. Wednesday, april twenty sixth, twenty twenty three. That is four two six two zero two three. That's your date. Just got a couple of more days to go. Hmm, till uh till Sunday. And then we roll into May. And you know what happens in May. You know what happens the first Saturday in May. (laughs) It's the Kentucky Derby. We welcome you to the Race Day Show on this uh, 26th day of April. We uh, come to you live and direct from the gaming capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, right here at our studio station, home base, Sports Talk, 1400 AM in Las Vegas. And of course, we cover the world on the internet. At our websites, racedaylasvegas.com.vegas.world.global. iPhone, Androids with your uh, KSHP app that you can get at your app store now and put it on your phone. So you that app and then you can hear us now, now, now. And of course, uh, anywhere you get your podcasting as well, we're there. So we welcome you to the show. righty, So however, wherever, whenever, welcome. Hey, it's a beautiful day here in Las Vegas, your gaming capital of the world. Looking out the uh, studio window, sun, shiny, sky, blue, ground dry. Oh, it's going to be uh, repetitive a lot, I think, throughout this summertime, that's for sure. Right now it's 61 degrees, 10 minutes after 7 a.m. Pacific time here in Las Vegas. We're going to get up to 86 today, but by Sunday, the temperatures will exponentially climb and we will hit 99 as a topper on Sunday as we make our way closer to May. And so we hope the weather is as nice where you may be, wherever you're at, out there. Uh, looking at it, it looks like most of the storm activity is uh, right in the uh, Midwest, yeah, over Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, a little bit in Missouri, Mississippi, getting on out through Tennessee, etc. Pacific Coast is clear, Gulf Coast is clear, and for the most part, the Atlantic Coast is clear, except for a little bit right off of uh, the Mid-Atlantic Coast. And as far as racing in the the major racing centers today, it all looks pretty good, pretty darn good, yes. Especially there at Keeneland in Kentucky, and so we <clears throat> roll on through. Remember, uh, Keeneland Racecourse uh, last week of racing is coming up, and then they flip it over to. Louisville, Kentucky, and stuff really starts to amp up then with the opening of Churchill Downs. And so, as we look at what's happening for the Kentucky Derby, 10 days, just 10. 10 days, 8 hours, 32 minutes, and 57 seconds and counting until the Kentucky Derby. And now all the uh, maneuvering starting, the jockeys are are getting their uh, assignments for example, uh, Javier Castellano, uh who usually rides uh has ridden Ray's Kane, is gonna ride Mage. The connection to the Florida Derby runner up Mage have tabbed Hall of Fame jockey Javier Castellano to ride their horse in this year's Kentucky Derby. So Ray's Kane is without a jockey just eleven days away. They'll find one though, trust me. <laughs> You know that. So the jockeys are starting to get their mounts. The horses, all the horses around the country, including the ones that are already stable at Churchill, are in their final workouts. And I'd go through all the workouts, but simply put, they're all working out fine. None of them are either, uh, you know, having jaw-dropping, unbelievably fast workouts, nor are they having very slow uh, and, uh, you know, workouts that uh, would give you uh, caution. They're all doing what they're supposed to be doing, as they have been doing all the way through their careers. And with 10 days to go, that's pretty darn good. So we'll uh, wait and see how that uh, that starts to unfold and develop. Now, want to remind you about the South Point Annual Kentucky Derby Seminar. Hey, we're 10 days away. Got to make your decision now. Come on on down. Here's the deal. On Kentucky Oaks Day, Friday, May 5th, which is just nine days away, as soon as the Kentucky Oaks card is over at Churchill Downs, we will be doing a Kentucky Derby seminar in the Grandview Lounge, which is adjacent to the race book. And, of course, in-house handicapper John Lindo and Jonathan Hardoon, flying all the way out from the East Coast, will be with us to go over the Derby horses how uh, They see the Derby. Uh, you can try to make some money on the Derby. And all of the adjacent stakes races around the Derby. Because there's going to be plenty of great uh, competition, plenty of great stakes races in and around the Kentucky Derby, as it is on Kentucky Oaks Day with the highlight of the Kentucky Oaks. So going to be a lot of action going on on that weekend. Uh, we suggest you come on out. If you're here in town, come on out to the race book early uh, Friday. Enjoy the Kentucky Oaks card there. And then enjoy the Kentucky Derby seminar afterwards, 6 o'clock in the Grandview Lounge. It is a lounge where entertainment is usually there. So it's all set up as a lounge situation where you sit at the tables, etc. It'll be really nice, a real setting, real good setting. And then, of course, the next day, got to get to bed early, do some handicap, get to bed early, so you can really kick out the jams the next day when everything starts early on Kentucky Derby Day, and we are in the big, big grand ballroom upstairs, where there'll be the uh, Kentucky Derby viewing party with the big screen, theater-like TV sets, a bank of betting windows, and if you get if you get uh, in town early, you might want to get a, a phone app so you can sit at your table and, and bet over the, your phone. In any case, that's available to the betting windows. And they're going to have a hat contest, a derby hat t- contest. All that good stuff, food and beverage as well. So the race book for the race is free, the derby seminar free, the viewing party free, and you can park your car free. How about that? At the South Point, South Point Derby Seminar. Come on out and join us. Myself, Jonathan, and John will be playing the races with you on Saturday in the uh, Grand Ballroom. And we'll try to make some money. That's what we're going to try to do and try to tab that Kentucky Derby winner. Because I got to tell you, now we only got 10 days to go, and all these horses are still with the parts in the right places. It's going to be a hell of a Kentucky Derby. I know that Forte is your favorite, should be, deservedly be a favorite, but he's not a favorite that you can look at and say he can't be knocked off. There's plenty of good, talented three-year-olds, and the most important thing, I think, for us to look for is the three-year-old that's starting to peak at the right time with maybe a career effort on the first Saturday in May. And our uh, handicappers will try to point us towards that as well. And, of course, we got to wait for the post position draw. Make sure they're, you know, <clears throat> the, the track's in good shape, what the track condition's going to be like. And how the horses are going to handle that 150,000 crazy crowd as they go through the walk to the paddock and out and all that stuff there in Kentucky. All that stuff still yet to come. And we'll be uh, following it, that's for sure. All right. Congratulations now here on this show to this year's eight new members of the National Museum of Racing and Hall of Fame. Now, I feel very privileged of being one of the voting members on this thing. And for years, I have always voted for Fernando Toro, who in my youth in Southern California, Hollywood Park, was known as one of the the greatest turf riders of all time. They used to call him Toro on the turf. As a matter of fact, when he retired, uh, the uh, the joke going around the racetrack was they were going to pack up the turf course, put it in his trunk so he could take it with him. But in any case, Fernando Toro was a great rider. And he never really got voted by uh, the committee of people uh, into the Hall of Fame, but... There is a historic review committee each year that uh, does a historic review of someone who didn't make it through the regular voting process and uh, inducts them into the Hall of Fame. And Fernando Toro was it. This year, he made the Hall of Fame. Now, you got to go on Twitter and see Jay Pribman and uh, Jay Hubde's video of this because they went to his place, the uh, museum Gave them the privilege of uh, <clears throat> announcing it to Toro before it came out in the news release, and the video is priceless. Here's a a, a a great Hall of Fame jockey, and of course he's retired for many years. And they did it under the premise they were coming there so he could uh, autograph some pictures for them, and then when they got there, they sprung it on him and told him, and he went he he just he started crying. It was He was just overwhelmed with finally getting the vote into the Hall of Fame. Another jockey who I voted for year in and year out, and again this year, and finally got it, was Corey Nakatani. Again, from my youth, from the time that I was in Southern California and his riding prowess there. Great rider, uh, brave, and uh, just he rode. Corey Nakatani was one of those jockeys— that rode for you, if you had the trifecta or superfecta, he rode right to the wire to get third from fourth, to get second from third. He just rode on his belly right to the wire. He was really a horse player's friend. Corey Nakatani was also voted into the Hall of Fame, and I'm so happy that they got there. Okay, Eight new members, Nakatani and Toro, along with the horse's Arrowgate. California Chrome, and Songbird. They were all elected. Those three horses were all elected in their first year of eligibility. And, of course, uh, other turf selections, other inductees were John W. Haynes II, Leonard W. Jerome, and Stella F. Thayer, all people that contributed great to the great sport of kings. So congratulations to them all. And like I said, I, I feel very privileged to being one of the multitudes, I mean, vast voting members on that. So congratulations to those guys. Well done, as uh, we say in the biz. All right, coming up this weekend, uh, the big racing over the weekend, believe it or not, is at Golden Gate. Golden Gate is going to have the Gold Rush Weekend. This is the biggest racing weekend in Northern California, okay, Gold Rush weekend. Eight Gold Rush stakes races, six on Saturday, two on Sunday. They're going to give you guarantees in the late pick four and uh, late pick four and late, late pick five pools on those days. So the big racing this weekend is going to be a Golden Gate. A lot of great stuff going on there. The Golden Gate this weekend, okay. And, of course, Santa Anita will kick in with a couple of graded, the Santa Maria, grade two, and the Providencia, grade three on the turf. And uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Now, don't forget that Keeneland's rolling into their final weekend of racing at Keeneland. And so, by Saturday, you know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, they're going to kick over to Churchill Downs, all right? So, uh... Friday is going to be the final day at Keeneland. They'll have the Grade 3 bewitch Stakes on closing day. And then we get started with the Churchill Downs on Saturday. And boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, you know what's going to happen there. Uh, by the way, that uh, Saturday card at Churchill Downs will be an evening card. It'll be 3 p.m. first post in uh, the Pacific Time Zone, 6 o'clock back east. All right. And now we, uh, you know, we take a look at what's going on at Golden Gate. My goodness. Uh, not Golden Gate, I'm sorry, Laurel Laurel Racecourse. My goodness, yes, Golden Gate's having a great weekend. But as you know, uh, Laurel's been having a real bad problem with their racetrack there. <clears throat> and they have been canceling the races after a couple of horses broke down most recently. Now, the horsemen and the uh, Maryland Racing, uh, you know, the Maryland Jockey Club, are, are kind of at odds with each other on, on how to handle this. So the owner of Laurel Park and the track's horseman's group have reached an agreement. They finally did to retain an outside racetrack superintendent to conduct an assessment of the dirt track, which has been closed for live racing since last week. That person is John Pacero. He'll begin work on assessment of the track starting today. And the officials uh, at a Tuesday Maryland Racing Commission meeting scheduled just days ago discussed the condition of the track and an attempt to iron out the hard feelings between the horsemen and the track, because this can't go on. You see, the racetrack actually opened entries for racing tomorrow at Laurel, but the horsemen boycotted it and, and didn't add enough horses, so they canceled tomorrow already. So they got together and now you know we have to have a we have to have a Kumbaya moment here and get down to serious business and try to get that track straightened out. <clears throat> so we will wait and see there. Thursday cards already been canceled. And we will wait and see what Pacero has uh, has to say about the condition of the racetrack. Remember that uh, Laurel Park uh, it will be uh, closing in a couple of weeks anyhow as scheduled because they get on over to Pimlico for obviously the middle jewel of the triple crown the Preakness stake. So we'll wait and see about that, okay? And one final thing locally here, we just want to say congratulations to our Vegas Golden Knights national hockey team. We were up against the wall, so to speak. They we were checked hard against the wall as far as the uh The odds were of getting uh, through this first round of the Stanley Cup. But our guys came through big. We went into uh, the Jets' home and uh, won an overtime game and won another game. And now we come back to Las Vegas for uh, game five tomorrow night with a three-game to one-game lead. One more game and we get past round one. So congrats to the Vegas Golden Knights. Way to go. All righty. One final note I want to tell everybody now. Here in Las Vegas, KSHP AM 1400, uh, we'll have a sister station. The ownership bought an FM station. And we're scheduled to turn over simulcasting so you can hear us both on AM and our new FM-owned station. That station is 107.1 here in Las Vegas. And we'll be doing, uh, we're going to be turning over, uh, they just put up the uh, big uh, antenna the other day, uh, 107.1 FM, the first week of May, so keep that in mind. So we're going to be KSHP 1400 AM and 107.1 FM soon. And we're still waiting for that uh, very elusive computer chip in our system, so we and get our phone system worked out. But we're trying to work around it, and we'll do that again today. All right, we're going to be back. we got uh, Jonathan Ardoon standing by, Rich Ang, John Lindo, and, of course, your racing menu. And take a look what happened Sunday uh, in recap. Don't go away.
0: Want to bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? (laughs) South Point Casino's race book has the answer. From DRF.com is the exclusive past performance content provider for the Race Day Las Vegas show.
2: All righty, back on Race Day Las Vegas. Some fun stuff happened on uh, Sunday out at the races. Uh, First of all, Jerry Jackwiz gave us a nice winner in the last race at Aqueduct on Sunday. Yeah, horse got bet down, though. Paid $4.90, but a winner is a winner is a winner. And uh, the stakes race, the New York Stallion Stakes Series, the uh, Park Avenue Division won by Le Bon Temp with uh, Jose Ortiz aboard, 680. Ortiz's second win of the day. Uh, Kendrick Carmouche had a couple of winners, and so did uh, uh, Manny Franco, which is leading the jockey standings. So Franco, Ortiz, and Carmouche. Doubled up on Sunday at Aqueduct. Pick six paid over $14,200. Good pick six. Good stuff. All righty. Now, uh, at um, San Anita, no, I would go to Keeneland first. Keeneland on uh, Sunday, uh, Luis Saez had a couple of winners. Ired Ortiz had a couple of winners. John Lindo gave us a winner in the third race, bet down from four to one. on Honor, Honor Rafik. Wins, that was one of uh, Saez's Sy- uh, first win of the day. And uh, here's the prices on the pick six at Keeneland on Sunday. Ready? $15.96, $7.98, $22.76, $4.14, $11.50, and $6.52. That pick six... Winning numbers of eight three two three six. I'm sorry. Winning numbers of three two three six three two. Seventy three thousand five hundred thirty three dollars and eleven cents. Hmm. Okay, good stuff there for that for a couple of people who had it. Santa Anita. Edwin Maldonado bookended the card at Santa Anita on Sunday. He won the first two races for trainer Peter Urton. So Maldonado and Urton won the early double, 480 and 2680. And then Maldonado came back and won the last two races on the card for trainer Doug O'Neill. So Maldonado and O'Neill had the late double with winners that paid 720 and 1160. I can't remember when a jockey won two races in a row twice in one day for two different trainers but that happened on Sunday at San Anita Their pick six paid over fifty nine hundred bucks uh and uh Rich ain gave us a winner and Jerry J Jerry J in the same race so the Sorocco exacta hit in the fifth race at San Anita on Sunday Buck exacta paid seven dollars and forty cents Richie had the winner there at 640 Jerry had the uh, second horse. So Jerry gets credit for that exactitude with the reverse. And one final note: a horse called Zyzex. Z Z Y Z X. That's the name of a street between here and Los Angeles. I know because I took that trip on yesterday. Okay, coming back from L.A. Zyzex. That was. It's the name of an off. That's the name of a street off the highway. Well, that horse, spelt the same way, won the sixth race at Santa Anita. So it was a hunch bet for all you folks that came up to Vegas over the weekend and was making your way back. That horse paid $32.80. Now, what are you going to do? All right. Time to get started with the menu of racetracks available today in the Racebook. Simulcast centers racetracks around the country. First post time to broadcast on the show each and every day. Reflect out of the Pacific time zone. If you're in the Pacific time zone, no problem. And of course, all the folks here in Las Vegas that go out into our race books today, well, we're in the Pacific time zone. So these would be the first post times roll out in our books today. But if you are in another time zone, uh, because of all the platforms we have going around the world, adjust to the Pacific time zone for these post times so you don't miss anything. Like I miss mom and dad, okay? Here we go. Uh, First on the list is Tampa Bay Downs. First post time at Tampa Bay is 9.20. 9.20 at Tampa Bay today. And they have a pick six jackpot carryover of $8,074. Coming up after that is Parks Racing. Parks Racing's first post time is 9.40. You know the deal there. They have two separate pick five jackpots. Today, both of them are six figures. One's 145793 the other one's 130000 sitting 171 A lot of action going on at parks today, first post time, 940 Then next comes Keeneland Racecourse, racing the way it was meant to be, they say. Keeneland Racecourse has a super high five carryover, not a jackpot, regular carryover. $32,747 there, first post time at Keeneland today is 10 a.m., 10 a.m. at Keeneland today. Okay, then next comes Horseshoe, Indianapolis. Horseshoe, Indianapolis has a first post time of 11.30. 11.30 today. They had the highest payoff in the nation yesterday. Their pick five for 50 cents would be $32,470. Hmm, nice. Horseshoe, Indianapolis. And their first post time there with a super high five carryover of 1,551 uh, is set at uh, 11.30. Then you go to Turf Paradise in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, Turf Paradise, their Pick Six Jackpot carryover is getting serious. Whoa, man. $403,198 And their Pick Six Jackpot carryover at Turf Paradise. Wow. First post time is 125, 125 at Turf Paradise. Then you get to uh, Penn National. Now, Penn National has a first post time at 3 p.m. As you know, their super high five jackpot carry over there, 27,879 that at Penn Net. And we wrap up the seven racetrack racing menu for today with Evangeline Downs. Evangeline's first post time is 3.30. And that's your racing menu for today. righty, right. I'm going to go now to Jonathan Hardoon standing by. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning, Ralph. How are you? I'm doing fine. Now, are you getting your bags packed, ready to come on out?
3: Already, ready to go. Right. I wish we were leaving tomorrow, but <laughs> we got another week or so, so it's yeah. all good. Yeah. By the way, great job on the Hall of Fame voting, except for one crawl, or one thing I have in my crib. No Kona Gold. No Kona Gold. No Kona Gold. Kona Gold is deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't get it. You're a voter. Tell me why.
2: I don't either, because I can tell you this, when Fernando Toro was up for it, I voted for him every year, never made it until they got to the historic, uh, you know, guys who pick one out that didn't make it for years. Okay, deservedly so. In fact, overdue. Corey Nakatani was still available for votes uh, among all of the members. He finally got enough this year. Well overdue for him, too. As far as Kona Gold, I've been voting for this horse every year. I don't know what it is about this horse that we can't get over 50% of the members to vote for this horse. This horse is deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. I voted for him again this year, but didn't make it.
3: It's just really amazing. I mean, what was better than watching uh, what Jay Hubby and and Jay Furns with Fernando Toro. It's all over uh, social media, and if you didn't see it, go watch it. It's oh, yeah. a tearjerker, and yeah. uh, really, it really gives you a nice feeling.
2: They, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, gave them the opportunity to make the announcement to Toro, so they devised, let's go over to his place, pretend like we want him to sign some photos, yeah. and, and then surprise him and tell him. And so they did it. I guess it was in his kitchen area on the counter. He started to, to f- sign some of the photos, and one of them told him, and he just
3: yeah read who read it says uh, two thousand twenty three uh, Hall of Fame yeah. recipient that yeah. has his name and he just broke down and yeah. it was uh,
2: he grabbed really it.
3: very emotional and you could see how much he wanted this and you know never too late because he's eighty two so he's getting up there but at least they got it done.
2: Well, he's a good looking eighty two. I mean, he just grabbed yeah. his head, yeah. he <laughs> bent over, and he was so emotionally. Uh, it, it just took him emotionally Taking away. back, it was just, it, yeah. was, uh,
3: it was really important to him. You could see that, and and that's good, because you want people to care about things like that. Well, sure. You
2: know? And uh, in all due respect, Corey Nakatani also deserves it. He, he w- he's a hes hill- yeah. And like I said before, Corey Nakatani was one of the jockeys, I always remember, uh, that would ride the hair off a horse to try to get fourth for you for the Superfecta, you know?
3: There are riders like that. If you remember, uh, Martin Pedros yep. used to ride his horses all the way through the wire. And if you bet him tries in supers, you know, people don't realize how important it is. A lot of guys wrap up. But uh, you want the guys that ride through the wire. And, and, of course, that's extremely important.
2: Yeah, no question about that. That's for sure. Well, this weekend, the, the uh, I guess all the attention will be up in Northern California for the Gold Rush uh, weekend up there. And, of course, uh, we when we wind up with uh, Keeneland on Friday, just a couple of days away, when it shifts over to Churchill Downs, then it really starts getting pumped up, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, you start feeling it. And, uh, you know, Saturday's opening day at Churchill. I believe it's the night of the future stars. It's all, like, young horses yeah. racing. I don't know if it's this meet. Uh, I think it is. And uh, they start They have a twilight racing card. So it's Churchill under the light Saturday night.
2: Yeah, uh, the feature race is just a uh, 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 an overnight stakes race, the Roxalana. But that overnight stakes race has got a purse of one hundred seventy-five thousand.
3: Yeah, the the maidens run for over a hundred thousand. Yeah, I mean the purses there are insane, and uh, you know it's good if you own a horse that runs there, That's for sure.
2: Well, I think the entire state of Kentucky, the way they did it with the supplements from um, all of the games they got going, I know that. We generalize it saying slot machines, but they're different type of games, they say, so they get around whatever regulations there are to to, to offer them.
3: Look what they did at Kentucky yeah. Downs this year. <laughs> Who needs to go to Saratoga or Downs? Why do you spend a week at Kentucky Downs? They're giving away more money than they do at the full meets at other tracks.
2: I remember when I worked in Kentucky, it was called dueling downs. right. And uh, we took a plane out of Lexington, a private plane out of Lexington, to go and fly into dueling downs for a press release on uh, a big thing that was happening in Kentucky this is back in 80, uh, 84, 85, 86. Maybe I can, you know, I can get confused. but. Uh, um, and uh, those folks out there, uh, and I, I thought to myself, man, this track is like out-in-nowhere land, but, boy, it gives you the sense of being in Europe, the way the, the you know, it looks like a European racetrack.
3: And they go up and downhill at yeah. all different uh, uh, distances for their races, and, and horses love it. And uh, horses, you know, Mike Maker, for the last couple of years, has just been oh, deadly there. I mean, wow. he points for that meet, and he has major success. And, and again, the purse money they give away, he loves it. <laughs>
2: No question about that. That's for sure. I mean, uh, it's become a major league racetrack, and even this year, didn't they? They just uh, announced uh, with and uh, through a press release a couple of weeks ago that they got uh, a race that's going to be a two million dollar race there, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, and the whole thing is like eight or ten days, yeah. you know. And it, it rains, they run. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they. Um, <clears throat> they they don't do things by committee like they're doing, right? What do you think about Laurel? you think it's ever going to get squared away?
3: Well, they don't have a choice. And uh, I think this is another stronic truck where, you know, even Gulfstream's having problems now with their Tepeda and church courses. Really? You know, when they can constantly run on surfaces all year long. I mean, look, look, Anita had a problem a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I guess that was due to the rain or somebody left sprinklers on, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, people don't realize the wear and tear on these tracks when you run constantly over them and you don't give them a break. You know, places like Del Mar, Saratoga, even Keelan, where it's a boutique meet they get it, they get by and it's good and then the, the track has time to rest and the grass of course has time to grow sure but when they constantly run on it they don't get a break and i guess that's what's causing the
0: problem well
2: you know maybe they ought to think about if they're going to have those type of schedules to do like what belmont does they got uh, you know the uh, several turf courses to to run on
3: if they have room to build yeah, it. Yeah, I they know. I mean, I look, know. At, look at Aqueduct. Belmont's going to have four courses. Uh, yeah. Aqueduct has three, yeah. two turfs, and, and uh, the track gets winterized that they went on when it's not winter. So, yeah.
2: And uh, Churchill Downs, as you know, when they put the new uh, turf course in there, they had problems with their turf course. But I understand uh going into this meet there's been several people have gone out on that racetrack galloped horses and worked horses on the turf course and said it's in great shape now
3: yeah and look at turf paradise a couple of weeks ago they had all kinds of trouble too it's not easy you know everyone thinks oh it's easy to just run over it you rake it or whatever but obviously there's a lot more to it than we know
2: yeah wear and tear just like people we, yeah. we get wear and tear on us, that's for sure. Hey, what are we doing today at Keeneland?
3: Well, we got one at Keelan and one at Tampa. Let's look at the sixth race today at Keelan. Five and a half furlongs on the turf, and this is an interesting race. You have a two to five morning line favorite at number nine, Bound from nowhere. Wesley Ward trains down for nowhere. This is a nine-year-old. Nine-year-old. Three wow. races last year, three races the year before. Listen, obviously on his best day, he's the horse to beat. But a nine-year-old with 20 lifetime starts, I think he can have better options. And I like the number four horse in here, our shot. Four-year-old gelding from the John Terranova barn. Rider switched today to Louis Sayers and he's riding out of his mind. The horse is listed at six to one on the morning line. Let's upset number nine, down for nowhere with number four, our shot in today's sixth race out at
0: Keelan.
2: All right, now we're going to the sixth race, and you got uh, Louis Saez, who uh, uh, I guess he's uh, got to be the leading jockey there, Keeneland, doesn't
3: he? I would
2: assume so. Anyhow, the uh, sixth race, and it's on the turf at five and a half furlongs, and in that sixth race, you like the Four Hour Shot, number Four Hour Shot, in the sixth at uh, Keeneland with the one Mister Hot riding Louis Saez for John Terranova the second, right? Correct. All right. Next.
3: Let's go to Tampa. Race number seven. Six and a half furlongs on the main track. And I love the number three horse in here, figure ready. This is a five-year-old from the Amando Sanchez barn. Marcos Menezes aboard to ride. This horse has been all over. He's been at Gulfstream, Del Mar, Santa Anita, Delta Downs. Last stop was Tampa. Now it's a race over the track. we sneaking well that day. He's listed at 8 to 1 on the morning line. Number three, Figuaretti upsets and wins today's seventh race out of Tampa Bay Downs.
2: All right, in the seventh race, you like the three ready, Uh and he's eight to one on the morning line in a seven-horse field that goes six and a half furlongs. Uh, again, seventh race, number three, and don't forget that Jonathan has full sheets for both Keeneland and Tampa Bay today at uh, his website. Right, Jonathan?
3: Yes, sir. J o n h a r d o o n dot com.
2: All right. And uh, do you have anything to say about uh, the Derby horses? you know anything that we should know?
3: No. Cox got a horse in, a, a horse is coming out, and uh, he got another one in. So uh, <laughs> I guess I should have had the names right, but I don't.
2: You're, you're saying that he's going to take a horse out and put another uh, another? No,
3: no, 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 no. He drew another horse, drew into the race. Um, someone's scratching. I'll have it for you tomorrow. I'm sorry. Uh... Should have been prepared.
2: Okay, all right, we will do that, that's fine Thanks a lot, Jonathan
0: Thank you, Al, stay safe and be
2: well All right, we'll be right back, don't go away
0: Want to bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? <laughs> South Point Casino's race book has the answer
2: Alrighty, back on race day las vegas if uh what um if what uh jonathan uh, has is right i think the horse he's talking about is jace's road who moves up into the field now also trained by uh brad cox but we'll wait and uh, hold off until he gets to us uh, tomorrow all right rich ang good morning
4: yeah, hey, uh, Ralphie. Uh, actually, uh, what you and Jonathan said is correct because uh, the Blazing Sevens, uh, the Chad yeah. Brown Colt, is the horse that came out.
2: Uh-huh. And he's
4: told the media he's going to point his horse for the Preakness, so that opened up a spot for, for Cox.
2: And uh, I guess Jason's Road is the one that bumped in, right?
4: Yeah, he's the he's like 21st or something
2: whatever, well, but he, he's the next one in. All right, well, the 20th horse is the invite from Japan. So he's going to sit at 20 all the time. And that is uh Kon-nu-ar, Uh Kant Nuar. Uh that's 20. So Jace's Road actually they have now as number 19, but he's in the he, now he's in the body of the field and we're still waiting if there's one more scratch for a horse that I'm going to bet in the Kentucky Derby if he gets in and that is Skinner but we'll wait and see their first defection coming mm-hmm. out of the uh, body of 20. That's for sure. Well, Richie, uh, how about our Golden Knights, huh, buddy?
4: Yeah, they're uh, on the edge of uh, going from 16 down to eight. <laughs> and, you know, you got to win 16 games to win the Stanley Cup. you got to win 16 games in the postseason to win the NBA title. It is a treacherous journey, but uh, you can only take it step by step.
2: And uh, they have, boy, because uh, they were right behind the old uh, – Puck there, so to speak, uh, before they went into uh into uh the Jets and, and uh took uh, two games out of their uh uh stadium.
4: Yeah, and every series gets tougher and tougher obviously as you uh eliminate the team by team. And uh so knock on woods, you gotta take care of business. Game five and you wanna win game five so maybe you can get a couple of extra days off the the rest of those bumps and bruises.
2: All right. Well, uh you've got a sheet for um uh Keeneland today at the racedaylasvegas dot com websites. So um before I ask you for a selection there, a thought about uh, the new members of the Hall of Fame.
4: Yeah, I heard you and uh Jonathan talking about it. uh, uh it- Two of those uh, candidates uh, I've been voting for every year, too. One was Kona Gold, one was Corey Nakatani, and, you know, they are contemporaries for us, Ralph, yeah. and watching them perform, and so happy for Corey and his family to finally get in, and I don't know what it is about Kona Gold, but uh, people should take a closer look at yeah. that horse's resume and try to tell me why this horse does not belong, and some of the others He do. won a Breeders' it's Cup, a... didn't he? I think he won, too.
2: Yeah. I mean, come on. And he, he participated, I think, in three or four of them. Uh, I just don't understand it. I, I, there's got to be some something, but it certainly isn't something I can see.
4: And he owns a bunch of track records. At least yeah. he had, at the time, set some track records, uh, which may have been broken by now. But uh, he was an incredibly fast and, and also very durable yeah. for uh, Bruce Hadley.
2: Come on, voters. Vote Kona Golden, for goodness sakes. Let's get him. Let's lobby for him for next year, for sure. That's for sure. All right, time to get started. Uh, Keeneland, uh, Richie, if you have a thought or two about any uh, handicapping uh, uh, systems or handicapping elements that uh, race players should know, you can tell us. Otherwise, we'll take a pick from you.
4: Well, just from doing the card last night, Ralph, you know, you guys were talking about Wesley Ward and uh, bound to nowhere. But wow. he has like four or five horses that are going to either be odds on or... At worst, second choice. So <laughs> he potentially could win three, four races on uh, today's card. Uh, so watch out for Wesley Ward. As far as a pick for the let's go to the last race. It's one of the most wide open races on the card. Mile and a half on the grass. And a horse who just fits the profile as far as the, just galloping along and, and getting the distance to me is the number three. Bravo Kitten. 6-1 uh, to one in the morning line uh, Tyler Gaffleone the jockey who rode the horse last time for Safi Joseph takes off to ride the one horse from Brendan Walsh but I think it's more of a political move because uh, Brendan Walsh is uh, one of the main clients for Tyler Gaffleon in Kentucky so I think he's riding for his his guy mm-hmm. uh, Louis Saez I have no problem with him picking up the mountain for <laughs> Joseph 20, 25 win plays 2 for the ROI number 3 Bravo Kitten to upset race 8
2: uh, yeah and that race is a, a mile and a half on the turf bravo kitten is eight to one on the morning line now you get joseph Safi joseph and louis saez together that eight to eight to one may not hold but in any case bravo kitten number three bravo kitten in the last race the eighth race only eight races today keeneland in the eighth race on the card uh, rich angst play number three bravo kitten and you're right, Gaff Leon and Brendan Walsh, they're having a hell of a meet there, as well as uh, Wesley Ward. I mean, uh, these these guys and Louis Saez, these guys are in the zone right there at Keeneland.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. Tyler, is, uh, he's just one of the top jockeys. If you watch him ride race after race, you talk about how Corey Nakatani and Pedroza rode to the wire. This kid rides to the wire, too, and you
2: like to see that, the yeah, young jockey. No question about that. All right, thanks a lot, Rich. Uh, we will talk to you uh, tomorrow. Hey, thanks, Al. Good luck, everybody. All righty, now we're going to go to uh, John Lindo, if he's there. John, you there? I am here. Good morning, Rob. Hey, good morning, my man. Well, uh, it seems like uh, all the attention in California is going to be in Northern California this weekend with the uh, Gold Rush, two big Gold Rush cards over the weekend, uh, producing eight stakes races, six on Saturday, two on Sunday at Golden Gate.
1: Yeah, it is, and uh, the biggest race of the year, the San Francisco Miles on Saturday. You're going to see a lot of Southern California horses up there, including, uh, Balnikoff and Earl's Rock for trainer, uh, Phil D'Amato. Uh, I think Bob and Jackie's going up for George Papa Vadromo, Dicey Mochera. So you'll see a lot of familiar faces if you don't watch, uh, Northern California on a regular basis. Six stakes on Saturday that to be a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, it's great to have the grass course up and running up there now because uh, it opens things up, and their field sizes have been better ever since that's, that's
2: happened. Yeah, no question about that. And, of course, uh, guarantees and the late pick four and late pick five pools, uh, I guess, on both days, right?
1: Oh yeah, and then, you know, they got the two stakes on Sunday as well. So should be a good day, a good weekend of racing up in Northern California. And the weather looks good down here. And it's supposed to be nice out in Las Vegas. So uh, no excuses for the weather in Southern California or Northern California.
2: All right. Do you have any explanation why Kona Gold's not in the Hall of Fame yet?
1: Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, he ran in five straight Breeders' Cup yeah. sprints. Uh, the, the only thing I can think of is he did almost all of his winning in California. Maybe the people back east didn't get a chance to see him and appreciate him for how good a sprinter he was. but. Uh, he should be in uh, definitely. Uh, we, we need to get that one corrected. But you know, hats off for the uh, voting committee for getting. I, I think so many others right, and I think it was terrific that Arrowgate and California yeah. crop go in together yeah. after that great Breeders Cup Classic they put on at
2: Santa Anita. Oh man, I still remember that. I was up uh, in uh, the uh, big restaurant up there at the top with the, some friends of mine out at that uh, that Breeders Cup, and that was something else. The place was going nice. front runners uh, was the the uh, the restaurant it was just an unbelievable stretch run between these two
1: oh absolutely uh, you know I, I i think uh california chrome was going for an undefeated year and it looked like he had arrogate held off and mike smith and arrogate found another extra gear that last 16th of a mile that was one of the best breeders cup days top to bottom including songbird and, and beholder coming down to the wire together in the distaff yeah
2: but the greatest race, I believe, that uh, Arrogate ever raced, one of the best races I ever saw in my lifetime, was the one he won overseas. Was it uh, the Dubai World Cup or the Saudi Cup? Which one was it? Uh,
1: the Dubai, Dubai world, world Cup, Cup. Yeah. Im- Impossible win. After yeah. he got left at the gate and was dead last, he put in about a six-furlong run where he never got a break, and he just kept grinding and grinding. And he won it easy at the end. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I know.
2: Yeah, against the best horses in the world at that time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He was he was that streak of races he ran uh culminating with that win in the Dubai World Cup. But four or five wins in a row was just unbelievable.
2: Hey John, do you ever remember a jockey winning uh, two races in a row uh twice in the same day for the uh two different trainers?
1: Mm, off the top of my head, no.
2: No, right. I mean Maldonado uh, wins the first two races in Santa Anita on Sunday for Peter Erton and the last two uh, for Doug O'Neill.
1: Well, you got to think maybe a Russell Base that did it in Northern California or maybe, something like uh, that for Hollendorf. Yeah.
2: But th- that would right. be only one trainer. This, he did it for two separate trainers. I mean that that's well
1: four four wins in the day. That's pretty pretty good work. And so you're seeing now some of these other guys are going to pick up the slack with, yeah. with guys like Pratt and and the out of town.
2: Yeah, and uh, some of the uh, you know oh, Southern oh. California riders will be uh, riding, of course at Churchill Downs. We've got to remind everybody, too, that we understand that the Oaks is the big race on uh, Friday, May 5th, and the Kentucky Derby, the big race on uh, Saturday, May 6th, but you got a whole slew of great stakes races on both of those days that we got to take a look at, man, because there's there's it's going to be the best in all divisions that are racing at the time that are going to be there in those two days, and certainly the jockeys as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, the undercards are, are as much fun as the Derby and Oaks itself. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll get a look to see, kind of get a glimpse of what's happening. They enter today for opening opening night at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, uh, you know, some of the names and faces and see what the field sizes look like. And more important, we'll get a look at that grass course as it gets underway.
2: Not even a question about that. All right, John, we know that uh, you have a Lindo report today for Keeneland. At the South Point, covering all eight races plus the suggested late pick four. And, by the way, uh, you tagged the late pick four on uh, Sunday at, uh, or did you, it was uh, was it Saturday or su- Sunday? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Sunday it was Saturday, Santa we, Anita. Yeah,
1: yeah, we had a $12 ticket yeah. after scratches, came back $235, so we'll take that. Yeah,
2: Saturday, uh, Sunday at Santa Anita, two thirty five forty for the John Lindo suggested late pick four on his sheet. He's got another one today for Keeneland plus all the good information. So what are we doing today, John?
1: I tell you what, let's go right to the opener. First race today at Keeneland, number five, Saddle Up. Had a very short work tab coming into her debut back on, on April the 13th. I thought she ran okay. was a little bit green. And she came back to work eight days later, a half mile. And then Steve Aspilson now wheels her back in 13 days. To me, that first race was just a, a prep, like a work to get ready for the real thing. This might be it today. She's six to one on the program. You've got a Wesley Ward, the first timer, named Blue-eyed Soul, who's seven of five. That'll take most of the wagering, so there are, there ought to be some value here. Let's go. Race number one at Keeneland, number five. Saddle up.
2: Saddle up. A Texas bred, Tyler Gaffleon for Steve Asmussen, who had a big record weekend at Oaklawn over last weekend. He's the five horse in the first race at six to one. First race goes in uh, approximately two hours at 10 a.m. Pacific time. We can use that as an anchor, a singleton, and the early pick five at Keeneland. In the first race at Keeneland today, number five, saddle up is uh, John Lendo's play for the race day listeners. Get the rest right now. A full Lendo report for Keeneland today in one place only here in Las Vegas. That's the South Point Race Book, free of charge, exclusively there because they love horse players and uh, the Lendo report as well. And John, I know you're getting ready to come on up and enjoy the. Uh, Kentucky Derby Weekend, Kentucky Kentucky Derby Weekend, and the Kentucky Derby Seminar. And again, we invite everybody to join us on Kentucky Derby Day at the Big Ballroom.
1: Right. 6 o'clock p.m. Friday night. There'll be our seminar and uh, one workout this morning at Churchill Downs, Ralph, uh-huh. Uh, the Japanese horses worked in tandem. Continuar on the inside, Dermasodagaki on the outside. Dermasodagaki pulled away from Continuar down the lane, went five furlongs and one-on-one and change. They gave Continuar a half mile and about 50, uh, but it wasn't a contest. And uh, he worked well. The, it, they look a little different than the American works because the, the jocks asked them a little bit, but this uh-huh. horse was still impressive working this morning.
2: All right, John, that's a good wrap-up. Go ahead and say it.
1: Have a great
3: race day, everybody.